Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, uh, hello and welcome to... We don't have a name for this yet. This new and exciting and untitled podcast by me, Harry Costa. Uh, and me, Lowell Hornby. Um, we're both on gap years at the moment. I'm doing... Um, I'm trying to do a 38 game. Well, we should we should say this. It's an Arsenal podcast as well. This is an yeah. Arsenal podcast. We might sprinkle in a bit of um, roundup per week. Yeah. But um, in the majority, in the majority of this podcast, yeah, it will we'll be, be talking about our beloved, beloved Arsenal yeah. and sort of the pain we have to go through yeah. to try and share a bit of that with you. And so... I'm doing, some of you may have read, I'm doing um, articles after every game for the Guna. Um, Yeah, trying to go to all 38 games this season, which hasn't been fun so far. Seen one win out of four. And one goal. 1-0 over the mighty Norwich. Yeah, Um, it's a big victory. Performance of champions. Yeah, lethal. We were. Mm. Um, And myself... I'm also taking a gap year. I am not doing all 38 games, unlike Lowell. I would have loved to, um, but I will be joining him at a fair few away games um, in the not-too-distant future. And in the second half of my gap year, I will be travelling abroad, um, which we are hoping will bring quite a nice dynamic to the show, something fresh and different from the other podcasts that you loyal gooners like to listen to, um, where we can sort of get along an interview and speak to local gooners from around the world, um, really demonstrate how big we are, um, should be really fun. Yeah, yeah. So this is, I think this is going to be, this is the, po- let's, we'll go for this, the post-Norwich, but sort of... Overview. Overview, post-transfer window, sort of... Kickstart episode. Debrief, kickstart sort of vibe. Sure, yeah. Yeah, let's dive in. Okay, so we're going to start off um, with a sort of match day experience sort of segment. Um, I was obviously there because I'm not a fake fan. Well, you say that and I have been to all ho games for all my life since the age of... Four, where so. were you yesterday? Harry? Where was I yesterday? I mean, family yesterday. duties. Yeah, um, family two days duties, ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I was I was at my cousin's party, which had been in the calendar for months. Um, down by Bournemouth, had a nice evening. I was sort of desperately scrambling for alternative ways to watch the match because of the bloody three pm kickoff, which has been quite hotly debated in the news recently. Um, no, I didn't like it. I had a weird feeling in my belly. It was hard not being there. Obviously, we say it's from an extremely privileged viewpoint where we get to go to most games. Yeah. Um, but no, when you've been going from a young age, it's it's hard not to. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Does no, it? something wasn't yeah. sitting right. Trying to scramble around on a train, looking looking for alternate ways to watch the match. But I did. I missed a bit of the second half. I was in and out, but I saw enough to to have some thoughts and. That's yeah. what we're going to do, share it. Yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, being before the game, it just sort of, it really, really felt like it was like the first game of the season. Yeah. I mean, the way sort of, that there was, 
you know, there was a real buzz around the crowd and there was sort of, there was excitement and joy. And I think partly it was because maybe people hadn't been back from holidays for the Chelsea game because it was, you know... Mid-August. Mid-August. Um, but also, I think, you know, post-international break, everyone coming back from injury, it really felt like we were sort of... The fans were giving them a second chance. It I, wasn't... I suppose it also correlates with what Edu's been talking about recently and Mikel in terms of... Essentially, we haven't had a first team. We have not had a yeah, first no, level exactly. for the first three games. And what we saw in the Norwich game, the lineup pre-match was a centre-back pairing of Gabriel and Ben White, yeah. and you right back in, Lokonga fit, party on the bench, we were hoping to see him start, but the fact that he's up and running again, we don't want to rush him, fine. But we saw a more senior, stronger first eleven, yeah. which I suppose transmitted a sense of yeah. freshness to the, to the fans. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're in our opening three games, I mean, I'm sure a few teams will, leave, will lose at Brentford this year. Well, they, had, they have a tight-knit... Rules. Yeah, I think, you know, Stadium, their, their really atmosphere is so good. And it's exactly where some teams just don't like to go. And unfortunately, one of those teams are Arsenal. But And then, you know, after that, I'd say we have arguably the two best teams in the league. Without... Arguably, arguably the two best teams in Europe. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, they are. Well, they were both in the Champions League final, so... Exactly. something. And, I mean, we faced them without our two first-choice centre-backs, without properly... Fit striker and left winger, yeah, exactly. Two in the front three were just, yeah, which means you can't really build cohesion. So, whilst I feel like we can't make excuses because that's the performances were shambolic, yeah, in some respects, they're discussion points that we have to bring in within the context of what's happened, yeah. And I feel like if you're a fan who's really applying pressure on Mikel Arteta right now, I respect that, but I'd like to give him a, a run of a few more games. Yeah. whilst considering the context of those first three games. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think the the sort of... There wasn't the hostility in the ground that I'd sort of... That I'd experienced at both Chelsea and City. Sort of just really Arsenal fans thinking that there was no way out. I mean... I mean, the Chelsea game was... was, was, was it was dark. It, didn't, it, it was meant to be like this momentous occasion. I saw... Yeah. When United played their first game, Varane was introduced to the crowd yeah, yeah. and it was full and packed and absolutely buzzing. And then I saw our opening game against Chelsea and it felt just a bit depleted and everyone sort yeah. of knew we were going to lose. I mean, there was the, you know, there was an atmosphere for sort of the first five minutes and before yeah. the game, but as soon as that first goal went in, it was just sort of all deflating, crumbled. absolutely deflating. But yeah. you know, Nor- Norwich was. It, it was good. We got three points, right? Performance probably not what we may have liked it to to have been. Um, well, I think there were some positives. There were some positives. I think, again, you look on the one hand, it's Norwich, let's not get carried away. Not that there's too much to get carried away with. No. But then on the other hand, when you're in such a rut, yeah. you have to um, analyse it within that context as well. Exactly. We were bottom of the league. Yeah. And we're playing Norwich at home. There's always going to be an element of nerve yeah. and fear in our yeah. Our I mean, you could definitely. I mean, there was there was. I mean, there was obviously nerves among the players, but there was really a lot of nerves among the crowd, and I sort of really felt that. And the sort of 
the almost just sort of sigh of relief when that goal went in in the second I, half. I, I, I don't know what would have been worse being in that stadium or being on my own, just sort of jitting around with strangers yeah. looking at me like I was but also, some sort of madman on a train. Also, it's just sort of weird the the position we're currently in as Arsenal. It's just like uh, as soon as we scored, uh, uh, like after obviously going mental but also thinking that it was offside I just started to think oh actually we've scored a bit too early here we've we've there's too yeah. much there's too much time and there's no chance that we're going to be able to defend a one goal lead yeah. at home to Norwich yeah which and, is not and, something and, and you were right to have that feeling because there were there were there lots was of panic I mean if I'm being honest my alternate um, sources of watching the match were disrupted a lot in the second half um, I I just got on when Aubameyang scored the goal and then it froze and then I tried to find out whether it was offside or not and mm. that was that was a bit of a nerve-wracking two minutes for me but I did catch Cedric's block at the end of the game. Yeah, and Gabriel um, made quite a good tackle against Puki. Yeah. And but there was also, I just sort of think, like, along with there being panics in our own box, I mean, there were clearly so many nerves and there were quite a lot of panics in the opposition box as well. Yeah. It was like we were... We just... It was it was weird, and it was. Uh, I think the club is in quite a weird position at the moment. But I mean, you know, we're up and running. We've scored a goal, three points on the board. Yeah, I think, I think he probably, he, I'd say he needs four, four points from the next two games. He, I'd, being I'd, I'd, I'd say he needs six, but it's not definite. If he gets four, I'm not going to say let's get rid of him. No. If he gets three, I'm not going to say let's get let's get rid of him. I just thought, I think I think it'd be unsustainable to lose at home to Spurs. It would be, yeah. Especially especially if you know if we don't kick on from the victory on Saturday and we go to Burnley and we're toothless again and we you know we don't score again and then you lose at home to Spurs. We'll, we'll, we'll have to be more ruthless against Burnley. I mean, what yeah, I definitely. saw offensively was that we created a lot of chances against Norwich, but and tell me if it was different within the stadium. But on the train, I sort of got the sense that whilst we kept on, as we have done a lot, to be fair, under Arteta, play really well through the first two thirds and then get to the final third and look a bit like shaky. Mm-hmm. What's, what are we going to do? How A lot's been down the left, which yeah. a lot of people talk about, with Tierney being such a strong point. Um, I suppose it's positive that we, I think we created 30 chances against Norwich. Yeah, however, I, mean, well, I did not th- get a thirty start. shots. Thirty shots. Okay, I didn't get that sense of we're going to pepper them. No, they're in for a long day. No, and I, I mean I did before the game, but that was just because I'm blindly and hopeless in love Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what I'm saying reflect was reflected by Aubameyang in the match. I thought that as always, his movement was outstanding and playing beyond the shoulder gives us a real strength to go in behind. And you saw three balls from Odegaard. Yeah. Um, there was one from Tierney, which was really reminiscent of the FA Cup final. Yeah, over the top. Over right, the top, yeah, yeah. just down that left channel. Yeah, and Aubameyang decided um, he was going to try and lob him. And... Yeah, he sort of lost all composure yeah. and decided to, I'm not even going to say shoot, pass it off the pitch. It was a bit yeah, tame, but, wasn't well, it? I, well, I don't really know what he was trying to do. No. But, you know, he got his goal in the end. He did get his goal, but he missed a few opportunities. He there was did. the Odegaard through ball where he tried to chip the keeper and it was really tame off his left foot. Yeah, it was that was a really, really good ball from from Martin there. I quite I, I was I was actually reading the uh, the notes you sent me before we were recording this today and when you'd written um 
MO through ball to Aubameyang as a talking point, and I just thought, I thought well, Mesut wasn't playing. What? Well, maybe he was in spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is our new Mesut. That actually, I, I thought, I, I actually thought um, our MO with with a, with a slash across with his a slash instead of the dots. Yeah. No, I actually thought Odegaard's work rate was outstanding on Saturday. And, I'm, and I'm a massive is. Martin Odegaard fan. I yeah. think he gives so much tactically. It's a very interesting player. And I mean, what, you, what we got him for 30 million euros. I mean, I think it's in today's market for a 22-year-old. From Real Madrid yeah, on the exactly. contract there. It, it's, it's a very, very good buy. I think he gives us a lot tactically because we can defensively set up with a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. But what he does is he tends to shift towards the inside right position. Which means that if you have like a midfielder playing on the left, like Smith Rowe, yeah. he becomes a left number eight, yeah. and it gives Tierney the license to get really high on that left channel, mm. and then you can still play with two defensive midfielders that sit a bit deeper. So he gives us a lot of flexibility that I think Smith Rowe, whilst I'm not suggesting he doesn't give us flexibility, he, he's more of a runner, whereas Odegaard is, I don't know, very clear. Um, just to just to sort of mention what might become an interesting dynamic in this podcast um, is that Harry used to play for West Ham. I did indeed for three seasons, yes. Um, But I think that's where quite a lot of your sort of, your tactical analysis comes from, doesn't it? Yes. From from that period. I was at the West Ham Academy between the ages of 14 to 16, 17. Um, I played there for two and a half to three seasons. I moved home. I lived in the West Ham house. Um, and we were in an education system where we had less school time than the national average student. And we were in, in and out of school and training. And the training was gym work, obviously training sessions, and also a lot of analysis. The West Ham's a really good academy, and they taught us a lot of good things. Just to just to stick it out there, Harry... Harry is not one of those people that you'll see on Twitter or Instagram that say I could have been pro uh, if it wasn't for my dodgy knee. He's a very, very, very talented football player. You've got you've got some some more tactical awareness for it, if nothing else. Definitely getting injured makes you actually watch more matches mm. and, and think of it from a coach's perspective rather than a player's perspective where a lot of the time you're analysing your own individual role within a team system. And before we move on to a little tactical insight for today's show and we should just wrap up on the match day experience discussion and I just reading Lowell's brilliant articles that he does I picked up on a few things that I also picked up on whilst listening to the match and a couple of things that made me really happy with the Vieira chance I thought oh, I loved the Vieira that was just chance. like a little bit of joy big fan of the Vieira chance my younger brother um, his middle name is actually after Patrick Vieira that is class. Mine yeah. after Thierry Henry. Strong Arsenal family, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other the other thing that made me really happy was just, well, we hadn't scored a goal in three games, and then I heard 1-0 to the Arsenal, and suddenly a sense of familiarity. Sort yeah. Of do, sort yeah. Of, yeah, it, sort of, it, all, it all came rushing back a little bit. The, 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 sort of, you forget about the predicament the club's in. Yeah, yeah. You start thinking, blimey, we could, we could be all right, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I saw there were quite a few. Um, there there were some tweets that they put up on the uh, on the screen at half time. One of them, one of them said uh, that Tomiyasu was well on his way to becoming an Arsenal legend. <laughs> that is brilliant. Which I think you know he was good. 
He was decent. He was debut. He was good for one training session or whatever it's been. Exactly. I, I enjoyed his but, performance. Yeah, you know, I I don't think um, at the moment we will take anything. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I don't. I think I think you you, you can. You couldn't blame that Arsenal fan for getting a bit carried away. No, it was it was one of the only positives that we've that we've had in the in the last month or two. Should we dive into your tactical session for the day? Let's do it. So let's have a little chit chat about Mikel Arteta and the absolute genius mastermind that he is. <laughs> um, yes. Some sarcasm implied there. Um, no, do you know what? There are a lot of there are a lot of things I see that I like, um, but I think when you consider the squad we've had, the position we've been in, I think that sometimes he does things that he shouldn't do with the players that he has. That he that could do be right. with better players. Yeah. Hence, the better players that he did them with at Manchester City. So, no, a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of. Admiration. Um, let's dive into what, he's, what he did against Norwich. Mikel set the team up as he very commonly does in an on paper four two three one. Um, usually, we see what well, we saw a lot last season from the Christmas point onwards that four two three one blend into a different system when we attack. So the number ten usually shifted to one side of the pitch yeah. and the winger on the other side would come inside and it'd be two number eights or number tens, whatever you want to call it. And then it would usually be Odegaard shifting to the right side and Smith-Rowe coming inside and then Tierney giving us some width. Um, so it was it was, it was was similar. There wasn't too much different in the Norwich game. Uh, one difference I saw was, was when we usually, when we're sort of pegged into the opposition half, have like to have five players in attack. And then five in defence, and the five going sort of a line order, so wide left, inner left, central, inner right, and wide right, like that. And then what we did a lot last season was build a three, and then two midfielders, and then that five. I thought, actually, without Xhaka being there, and with Tomiyasu, who gave us something slightly different. Usually, Xhaka and Partey would be two, and then the right back would be, and we'd have a back three, which a lot of people discuss, oh, we'll be playing a back three or a back four. To get it. As I said, sometimes yeah. I think Artista does things with, no, with think, the wrong players. I think also in terms of in terms of the weekend, what I found interesting tactically was <clears throat> that you know without Jacka, Arteta was forced to play with the two in midfield, the pivot, both right footers. Yes, yes. Which is not something that he often likes to do. I mean, no. we see at the back. You know, he won't. Even first game of the season, he wouldn't play yeah. Holding and uh, Ben White. He would, he'd have to, he'd play, have to play a right and a left foot. For, for, for the so famously talked about balance, yeah, exactly. So I think that was that was it, it quite an us, interesting difference. It gave us a really really interesting uh, dynamic. I thought I'm going to get onto the midfield in a minute. I thought that there were some really interesting performances from Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I thought Lukonga was brilliant. I think he has been since the beginning. Yeah, um, but we tend to see with Xhaka is him sitting as a two and then Chambers coming in as a, as a three and you have, you would have a back three of, I don't know, Gabriel last season would be holding or Matt or Louise, sorry. And then Chambers or Cedric with a three and then Xhaka and Partey or Chambers joining into midfield to join Partey or that yeah. and Xhaka dropping and becoming a third yeah. centre-back. Without Xhaka and with two right-footed sort of midfield, deeper midfield line players, we had just our two centre-backs sitting and then I thought we saw Lukonga 
as the number six, mainly in the middle, and Ainsley to the left, and Tomiyasu to the right, actually. You know, not playing a really yeah, advanced midfield yeah. role, but just not being in a back three, but actually yeah. joining the midfields. I mean, we, I was sort of, you know, when we signed Tomiyasu, I was reading a couple of things about him, and, you know, people saying that he was an inverted fullback or what have you. I mean, it's I saw it, it a lot in the match. I mean, he was very inverted. Yeah. I didn't know that inverted would mean that he would play left back for some of the game, which he seemed to do. He yeah. took, for the sort of for the first 15 minutes, he seemed to go a little bit mental yeah. and decide that he'd play everywhere bar right back. Okay, yeah, fair enough. For a little bit. Did he transmit uh, a sort of vibrance into the Well, we, we, we all loved it. Yeah, I mean, me enough. and my dad particularly. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of seeing someone it was a bit it was a bit sort of like watching an El Nenny or whatever just sort of you know they just charge after people and I think that you know that's that's something that we quite need sometimes well exactly and sometimes you don't need to think about tactics at all if a player just goes and sprints 15 metres or 20 metres or however many metres it 15 lifts. metres is not that long no maybe we're talking about 40 metres then right. but if a player goes and sprints and absolutely breaks some sweat suddenly the stadium does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big it, hand signal here. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's, he's. Martinelli does it a lot. We don't need to talk about what he brings with the ball, but what he brings off the ball, it, it transmits so much. And I think that, that's that's one of the things that the crowd loves so much about yeah. Tierney. Yeah, is that even even sort of against Chelsea, you know, we were, I remember we two 0 down. It was like twenty minutes to go, and Tierney just sort of charged down the pitch, chasing down Azpilicueta yeah. and then you know Mendy in goal. In the stadium when I saw that, because I remember that quite clearly, it gave me massive parallels to, I do not, no, I do remember Liverpool against Manchester City a few years ago and Andy Robertson, Andy Robertson yeah. absolutely run the he length went of the pitch and mental, yeah. He's got a mad one. Yeah, and, and then it just, you just see, Anfield yeah, more. Anfield after that is just, I think, you know, that that's something that, um, I, I don't think it, I don't think it happens as much as it used to now. Well, no, because it, it if you don't do it at the right time, it can be labelled as going on a walk Exactly. And yeah. then, actually, if somebody just plays a three-yard pass around you, you've kind of messed yeah, up your teammate. You're, you're in a bit um, of trouble there, yeah. But no, but getting, getting back to the system briefly, um, we saw Odegaard do his typical shift, drift into the inside right position of the front five. Yeah. And Saka did what Smith Rowe did a lot last season, drift into the inside left position, allowing Tierney to play really high wide and left. Yeah. Which this young man's got so much flexibility. I'm calling him a I young man, I should I should give him more respect than that. He, he's I don't know what you thought, though. I thought he had a bit of an off game against Norwich. He wasn't at his finest, no. I thought I mean he's you know, he's always sort of a presence on the and pitch a threat, and, yeah. and it, you know, he wants to drive, but I thought there was just a little bit lacking. And I think it's a slightly Saturday, new role for him. Yeah, exactly. Playing sort of when he plays on the left when well when he first broke into the team he was playing left back and he was asked to play really wide on the left. Yeah. And now when he's playing on the left wing, he's really playing as a left number 10 when we have, have an attack. Because exactly. Tierney's really playing as our winger. Um, maybe he wasn't at his most fluid best, but structurally that's what he's doing. And I think he's good enough to play there. I mean, give him a run of games there. Enough to play he's anywhere, good enough to play anywhere. What a player. Um, you know, that's what was happening. And then you had Aubameyang sort of running off the shoulders, Pepe holding the whip from the right. Yeah. Um, and that leaves us to talk about Lukonga and Maitland-Niles, who... I thought had good games. I thought what was really interesting as you touched upon both right-footed and it gave a lot more flexibility and they were interchanging. So for the majority, I saw yeah. Lukonga playing centrally and Ainsley just to the left. But actually at points, Ainsley was more of the number yeah. six and Lukonga was playing 
to his left. And I think that 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 partnership probably um, gave Arteta a bit of an eye into the future because I think you know with how Lukonga's played um, so far this season, he's undroppable. So yeah, when Partey comes back to full fitness, I think you're probably going to be looking at them two cementing their roles I in the midfield. Agree no, and I think sort of seeing Ainsley and Sambi in there together in a really interchangeable like dynamic between them. Yeah, exactly. That could only be a snippet of what Lukonga yeah. and I mean, it was Partey sort could of, be together. It, it was it was actually quite refreshing having those two because it wasn't like. You know, it's like when you have but when you have Partey and Jacker playing, it's always Partey Partey that's carrying the ball forward. And he's like a and, dropping deep, and Jacker drops deep, and he'll try yeah. a ping or whatever. But I think having having Lukonga and Maitland Niles, it was sort of it was the classic one goes, other one stays. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think that worked really well because oh. both of them have those attacking capabilities. Exactly. And I thought actually it was quite interesting that Ainsley was given a lot of uh, license to go and press really high up. I was seeing yeah. him press their mid, like deep line midfielders mm. and thinking what's our deep line midfielder doing pressing pressing yeah, his yeah. and I was I saw something and I didn't see it enough to really comment and know if it was a, a pressing trap. Um but what I saw was when Ainsley did that, Saka really came narrow in because maybe that was to shut off a passing lane from where Ainsley had made a sprint from. I'm not sure. But there's certainly some good pressing traps that we've been seeing a lot led by Odegaard at the moment mm. who works his socks off um, and he's a leader as well he isn't is. he when you, when you see he him is. go and press he's always sort of gesticulating to everyone yeah. around and saying you know get up come do it with me yeah um, which I quite like I enjoy it as well and in terms of Ainsley I wanted to sort of let's bring it now away from sort of the tactical um, scope I thought that I saw a lot of good things from him. I saw good technique, good yeah. passing range, vision, no, I think nice he, tackling ability. Yeah, I think he definitely he he definitely gave a um, a little window into some of the reasons why we may have decided yeah not to let him go. Which is something I think we should touch on in a minute as well. Mm. Um, there's still this sense of is he a bit lackadaisical on the ball? Yeah. Is he too leisurely? I un- I understand that uh, playing style-wise, it can be beneficial to have that sort of air of coolness and composure, but sometimes you need to be unpredictable and change it up with a little mm. bit more urgency. So I thought I saw good signs, but not. I'm not going to sit here and go, he was amazing. I thought yeah. he was good with, with signs for improvement. Whereas I thought Lukonga was amazing. I thought, yeah, I thought he, he does everything. He does all the basics really well. No, he's on both feet. And also, I mean, you look at his age, and also when he, when he, um, the time he came in. I mean, he's only been here for however long, exactly. uh, and you know he slotted right into that midfield and looked completely and at home. Roles in the midfield as well. When yeah. Partey, um, this was in pre-season actually. It wasn't in the beginning of the season, but when he was playing on Partey in pre-season. He's playing a little bit more to the left of Partey, and he did that equally as well as he's been yeah. the hub of the team no, since I the Premier League's kicked off. I think he'll probably turn out to be our signing of the summer. So do I. We're going to do some player ratings yes. from Saturday's game. I think we yes. should, we're, we're going to try and make this a, 
a regular feature of our post-match podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so let's start with... Well, before we get into it, okay. there's a little, little argument I've had quite a few mates. When you do sort of your player ratings out of 10, yeah. is, is six your average? I mean, I just don't understand it. Five, shouldn't five be the average? I, mean, I, I think, think, I think six is an average. I, no, I think six, six is an average. Okay. Because you get six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's five numbers there. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. There's five okay. numbers there. Okay. So I think if you're if you're six and above, you're you know you've okay. played average to well. Yeah. And five and below, you've played poorly. Okay. All right. Below average to poorly. Yeah. Cracking. Okay. So let's start in goal with the sort of surprise inclusion of Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah. Thought he was good. Um. But his distribution is good, short and long. Didn't really have anything to do saving-wise. Um, gave us all a little bit of a heart attack with the yeah, little... Was it a Coiftan or a little... No, it was a little shimmy, little, wasn't it? little scoop. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought it was good. Eight. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say an eight spot. Because right. he was commanding. He had seemed to have a good relationship yeah. with that too. I, I have, he gave me a lot more confidence than Leno does when yeah. he gets the ball in that position. I think when we can really compare is when he gets peppered with 25, exactly. 30 shots a game. Yeah. And you think back to a few years ago when that's what was happening constantly under Emery. But no, good of his feet, commanding. Yeah. Liked it. Okay. Uh, Tomiyasu. Tomiyasu, the madman. The debutante. Yes. Um, I thought he was good. I'm going to give him a seven. I thought good energy. Yeah. Came into midfield nicely. Also came, went down the line nicely. Um, solid defensively. Nothing sensational, but nothing awful. No. I think transmitted good energy. So Yeah. I'll give, it, I'll give him a 7.5 I'll give him an extra 0.5 for that unbelievable volley attempt yes yeah and uh, I guess the fact that he's he's probably had one to two training sessions yeah exactly you know you've got to give him a little bit of credit he's seemed comfortable yeah we liked it um, Ben White Ben White the returning Ben White the returning Ben White good player really like him um, made a few really nice key passes breaks the lines well is a really nice platform. Won a few headers, which I was worried. I'm not gonna lie. After yeah. the Brentford game, I thought Ivan totally bullied him in the air. He again will have tougher tests in future games. Team Puki is not too physical, but I thought all round good game. Seemed to get along well with Gabriel. Mm. Eight. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd give him I'd give him an eight as well. Yeah. And his his centre back partner, I'd say Gabriel was pretty similar. I'd say identical eight. eight yeah um, Kieran Tierney Kieran Tierney um, since we're doing point fives, I'm going to give Kieran Tierney a 6.5 okay because listen I love Kieran Tierney I think he has so much heart and soul on this team he, he gave us the width as he always does he did put a few good crosses in there was that lovely ball down the line into Aubameyang he was defensively yeah. solid but I don't recall anything magnificent that he did and he was solid 6.5 I don't think he created too much for me to be pushing into the 7s and 8s yeah no I think that's fair enough um, you know I don't, I don't think much of Norwich's threatening attacking play um, came down that side anyway no. um, so yeah I think that's fair enough um, let's go with Laconga 
Albert Sanbi Lukonga. Sanbi on ice, they call him. They do. What a player. Well, let's not get carried away. Thanks to four games, three of which we've lost. Yeah that's, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sambi Lukonga, eight. Yeah. Really good. Does everything so well. Yeah. Um, I want to see is more he, of him. Is he the new Patrick Vieira? Different player. I, 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 I mean, we, we saw Vincent Company's comments uh, before the season. He's mm. already the best player midfielder in the league and he's got a bit of Kante Vieira De Bruyne around Fabregas all rolled into one we'll take a bit of um, that we will take a bit of that do I think he's a new Vieira not physically okay. but technically maybe y- you can dream I mean he's got so far to go mm. but I've really enjoyed watching him so far very solid and do you know what it was an eight and it seemed like it was solid and he wasn't really out of third or fourth gear yeah yeah which no, is promising that's right um, Ainsley 7.5 thought We've touched a lot on him today because mm. I think he's a really interesting player because he's got such good qualities to play in numerous positions. Yeah. Um, I thought he showed that he has a nice all-round scope to play in midfield yeah. but maybe lacks a little bit of grit, a little bit of yeah. energy and intensity. And I thought he did He did get, he, he got skinned um, when he went to right back, I seem to remember, once or twice. Yeah. And he moved down there. Yeah. Um, so little bit reserved on him but I think he, he well are you, are you going lower than a 7.5 then I'll give him a 7 okay there I thought, are I thought he, you know he, he, he was he was fine yeah um, right uh, to be fair I, 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 I sort of didn't catch him too much at right back um, no true when I was watching on the train so if that's the case then I would probably reserve my okay. 7.5 and downgrade to a 7 because that's fair enough I think um, Nicola Nicola Pepe um, does divide so much opinion this guy I, I thought he was electric from what I saw down the right but then I thought as the game developed Brandon Williams sort of sussed him out a little bit yeah I mean he, he was he was much more um, direct than I've seen him bit yeah, in a while he was really going for it he, I was getting really pissed off at his first touch yeah which deserted him throughout the whole game so you want him in the final third you don't want him coming deep and no, trying to play up in midfield but he did he did create um, the goal he did create the goal and he did create multiple other chances he, however well or badly he plays he always gives a presence yeah he, he's involved um, so I, I think I'll give him a 7 for that I think I'll give him a 7 to positives and negatives but I thought he put a lot of effort in, which yeah. is the bare minimum you can ask for. But yeah. I think we've seen Nicholas Pepe that hasn't put yeah, that's no, effort exactly. before. So, all right, needs to keep it up yeah. and improve. Yeah. Um, Odegaard, Martin Odegaard. I thought seven point five. I thought very hard working. A few lovely passes, really yeah. balances and gels the team together can tell that he wasn't in fifth gear either yeah he wasn't able to sort of get into his stride as much as yeah. he might have liked but yeah I'd say I'd agree with that um, Saka down the left oh star boy six yeah six. I'd say I'd say that's fair I mean I think I think he did really well for the um, for the goal um, the the turn he made yes but um, apart from that he was a bit sort of off it but you know we can we can allow him a few off days given what oh, he's considering the amount what he's done carrying he's done for us exactly yeah. and then man that led the line 
Aubin. Pierre. Um, I'm going to give Aubameyang a 6.5 because okay. I thought... Well, I thought his movement was good, as it always is. He already stretched the fence. I mean, we'll probably talk about this a lot with Aubameyang. He doesn't have an all-round number nine game. He doesn't give us behind and to feet. No, he, which doesn't, he doesn't the attacking... necessarily give us what Lacazette gives us. Lacazette's compass for a number nine yeah, is yeah, a bit more rounded, more, yeah. which is why a lot of managers have played Aubameyang in this left forward position. Um, I thought that he fluffed quite a few chances, but he did score. He was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, um, yeah, six point five. Think good signs of his movement, but needs to be better with tougher tests ahead. Or should we get on substitutes? Well, well, yeah, okay. We'll we'll go we'll go with. Um... With with Partey and Smith Rowe because so they, they came they came on with a big chunk yeah so um, Partey Partey seven good yeah. good influence good pass to Saka just yeah. before the goal uh, and Smith Rowe I'm gonna give him a seven as well he missed a big chance I also heard that he sort of selfishly didn't lay off a few passes I, I I sort of missed this end bit when he came on. But what what I've sort of read and gathered is that he, I think I think that's harsh. You think that's harsh? Right. I'm very happy to be told that I'm on this <laughs> one because I did miss it. It's kind of what I was just read about and stuff. I'm like a that. I'm a really big fan of Smith Rowe. I thought so am I. I thought he um I thought he's he excellent. changed he changed the tempo of the game when he came. Yeah, in. just up so a little bit. I'm giving him an eight. Give him an eight. Okay. And then um, Arteta. Arteta seven. Not get carried away. Yeah. He did, he did okay. Three points. The, te- the team created a lot of chances, to be fair, which yeah. is down to how he set them up, but nothing too amazing. No. So, I think given that this is our first episode, um, well, it's our first episode anyway, but uh, post-transfer window, I think we should have a little... A little debrief. There has been a lot of chat about how we are the biggest spenders in the Premier League and our starting 11 hasn't um, improved and then our technical director, Ed, who's come out and tried to explain the club's strategy, which has not gone down well with some fans. I understand what he was saying, but I think in his interview, to be fair, maybe the bit where he didn't give an end of season um, target was naive. But let's dive in. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we had five new signings starting on Saturday. Yes. If if you include Odegaard. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think, I mean, there have been people saying, you know, that there's no strategy to our buying, particularly That's Gary, not true. Gary yeah. Neville. But I think, you know, the, the, the strategy is much clearer than it's ever been. We, it's we're really buying... Good. Players under twenty three, um, who have high potential, who have who pe- they think have high potential, um, and yeah, I mean I've got a little thing here just of um, our the age of our last ten debutants. Yeah, and so we had Tommy Yasu twenty two, Ramsdale twenty three, Tavares twenty one, White twenty three, Lukonga twenty one. Odegaard 22, Aziz 18, Cottrell 19, Balogun 19. Yeah. So I think... It's, 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 it, it, to me, it's crystal clear. Um, and if you think about why we're in this position, it's, well, 
we've fallen so far down that none of the top players are going to come for us for 100 or yeah. 50 to 100 million pounds. So then how do you try and build to reach yeah. that level again? Well, if you find the core group of well-scouted players that you believe in two years can reach that capacity or near that capacity, yeah. it, to me, seems like a more stable yeah. land than to go and, and buy think- a bunch of decent players that aren't quite premium yeah. who won't be cohesive together like yeah. they have done in the past. And I think, you know, I mean, in terms of the sort of media coverage of our transfer window this year, I mean, we're, we're just sort of the easy targets. Of course, we? yeah. You know, you're, you're obviously going to have people like Gary Neville picking on you. Well, if um, if you hadn't won, if sorry, if you hadn't lost the first three games, let's say we picked up six points or four points in those exactly, first three yeah. games, I'm sure it would have been analysed as in Let's be patient with this. It is a project. Yeah. We can see what they're doing. But football is always so short-term in the now yeah. that you lose three games and yeah. it's dissected as wrong now. Mm. But that's why I think a little bit more time and patience is needed. And there was... See where it goes. There was a little bit of drama. A little tinksy bit of drama. Just a wee bit. In terms of, uh, in terms of old Ainsley. And yes. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess Xhaka too. Yes, um, yes, the, the Jose Mourinho Roma. Yes. Um, um, that was dragged on for way too long. It was. And I, I think that there were quite a lot of Arsenal fans quite excited at the prospect of ridding of... Where do you stand with that? Because I'd I like to give my thoughts, but it's a really interesting one. I think that... He can be a good player, um, and we've seen him be a good player many times. Um, but I think he's sort of he's one of those players that, that in the position that we're in now, I think we just he's exactly the type of character that we don't need. I mean, he's yeah, he's you know he's really hot and cold, um, and he has that sort of. That temper. I think when one of it. your captains or leaders mm. is somebody that's just stupid bloody s- captain group. Yeah. Oh yeah. Emery brought in. Chosen by the old players. Yeah. But I think when one of your leaders, he's clearly a leader, very important person in the changing room. Yeah. Is susceptible to losing his head within a split second and getting red cards. No, exactly. There's yeah. an issue. Well, my my thoughts on on, on the Jacker situation this summer was. Okay, he's clearly got a lot of outstanding abilities that mm. are hard to find in terms of passing range. Yeah. And actually, to be fair to him, I think his defensive discipline in terms of positioning is really, really good. Of course, he's not a, he's not an all-rounder player. I think he struggles to be on the half-turn in central areas. Yeah. It, it's not so much a, a criticism of him as a player. Like, say, he's, he's awful. He's not awful. He's a good player. He's not a great player. Yeah. He... My issue with him was that there are some players in every team that are like that when they play they're the central cog to how the system transitions between defence and attack. And when we play with Granit Xhaka, in my opinion, he is the most yeah. important player on that pitch because he either joins the back three or he covers the left back place and yeah. that allows Tini to go high and it allows the left winger to come in and without him we don't do our transition so well. Mm. So the problem is when somebody who doesn't give you tactical flexibility is the most yeah. important player in a tactical system and is susceptible to making high-level errors 
mm. and seeing red. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think there's an issue, and I think it was the right time just to part ways. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think he's quite an unpopular player at the club, isn't yeah. he? Um, but also, I think, you know, when, when you're a team that's so reliant on a player of that quality, which, you which know... Isn't, which isn't really elite, you know, is it? It's, it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not the um, the quality that you'd associate with a... a you know, a midfielder, a pivotal Arsenal midfielder of Arsenal Football Club. When you think Vieira and Fabregas, yeah, you know, with so many sort of fantastic midfield maestros, and then Maitland-Niles as well. What were your Maitland-Niles time? What were okay. your opinions on on that drama? So, if I just sort of give my opinion on Maitland-Niles as a player and a, and a character, I really, really like Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think he's got all the attributes to be an outstanding right back. I think. He's got the physical attributes to be a wing-back. He's got the technical attributes to be an inverted full-back. I also think that he's got a lot of good attributes to play midfield. And I think he's an amazing squad player with the potential to be starting at right-back for us. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was, that was the... You know, when, when that story came out and we hadn't signed a right-back and, you know, it, it we were essentially keeping him hostage. Yeah. Um, I think that, that was... Part of the confusion was yeah. I. I mean, I. I thought, yeah. at least that. I mean, maybe before Tomiyasu came in, that he was probably our best right back for sure. Yeah. Um, and especially if if um, he can give you that flexibility in midfield with, you know, both um, Partey and El Nenny going to the African Cup of Nations <laughs> exactly. in January. Yeah. If you've got a player that can cover both the right back and the central midfield positions, it it um, it seems silly to let him go. But exactly. also, I think part of the problem was the offer that came in from Everton was clearly just not, not what we were looking for. Yeah. It was, wasn't money up front. It was yeah. loan with option to buy, no obligation. Yeah, and yeah. I just which think... puts the club in like a liminal position between. Exactly not getting in the valuation and then also losing a player that as you just mentioned has a lot of flexibility yeah and can be used in in many ways which is good for squad depth from a player's perspective I think to myself there's like a a balance between okay how much does he love Arsenal because he's, he's, he's an Arsenal boy he's been there since I don't know I'm guessing the age of 10 or something and then also the dream of making it as a professional footballer. If he's always wanted to play midfield, then I, to some extent I understand in his head he might think, I could start right back for Arsenal, but I want to play football yeah. in midfield yeah. at a professional level. It's my dream. I want to fulfil my dream. Yeah. But then when you weigh that up against, I I bleed on the pitch to play for the cannon. Mm. And I want to do that in an Arsenal shirt. It's I'm not questioning his loyalty to the club I'm questioning how deep his love is because I think if, if well, I was in yeah. his position I'd any other club I might say yeah no sorry I prefer to play in midfield mm. but for Arsenal I play right back every week for 10 years yeah. but so, I think also that um, that Instagram post that he made was quite I um, thought it was wrong yeah I thought the it was tone wrong. of it was wrong Unpro- unprofessional yeah um, and quite wrong. Listen, if you come out with a statement with no emojis, no sort of tone to it, just short sentences, yeah, saying, exactly, explaining his position, yeah, sort of more more formal, more formal. I think it would have been okay. I personally thought he has to go after I've seen that, yeah, from sort of a 
But it's, it's a hard one because he's such a good squad player yeah. and he was and also, also, you know, also when somebody does something that extreme it means that he's not been treated right. Yeah. And so no, no, no one none of us know what's going on inside there and they might have had complete clear the air talks or exactly. not. Um yeah, but just to just to uh sum up the um the transfer window. Yes. I thought I would give you um, I want you to I want you to rank these signings. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a list of five of the worst signings I think we've made. What ever ever. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, uh, let's go in my lifetime. In, in, our, in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. in our lifetime. Um, and wh- how you want to do it is up to you. Whether you want to rank them as to the the best player of the um, yeah of the five worst signings I give you or. Or you want to rank them sort of in terms of their comedic value. Okay. That That's up to you. So the five names I'm going to give you. These are the worst ones, right? These are the, this is the list of worst. I've got, I've got best for you next. Um, Andre Santos. Okay. Marouane Shamak. <laughs> that's going to be good, this. Sebastian Squillacci. I think we've got a front runner, mate. <laughs> Javinho. Javinho. See, you had a bit of flair about him, but... And Andre Arshavin. Right. Straight away, Arshavin's at the bottom of this list, as in he's the best player on that list. So he's He a... had some moments, Barcelona at home. Okay, so you're, so you're ranking number one Number is, one on your list will the be the worst. Yes, okay. yeah. So f- f- five is Arshavin. I'm not going to do him dirty, because okay. he had some... But a bit may, may have been a bit unfair for me to put him on that yeah. list. Yeah, I just... I mean, he wasn't list. outstanding, but... Yeah. Yeah, he he, have you seen he's now he's uh, he got arrested the other week in um, in uh, Moscow because he uh, he rode a horse into a club. Uh, Arshavin. Yeah, that's quality from him. Yeah, it's good. Isn't yeah, it? just an actual I horse. Mean, when you hang your boots up, you've got to fill your time. That's somehow. what you want to be doing, yeah. isn't it? Nothing. Riding horses into clubs, made, mate. Right, right. So Arshavin number five. Arsenal, maybe I should have put him number four to you know reflect the goals at Anfield from a few years ago. <laughs> um, no, Javinho is coming in at number four because even though he had a ridiculous hairline and was extremely inconsistent, I think he displayed a little bit more quality than the other three. Okay. Um, yeah, these for, for, these for, three are bad. This is, this is this is hard. This is like I don't know. Right, not because of his comedic quality he he might surpass somebody higher on the list if it purely for that I think Shamak comes in at number three okay because he scored some goals I mean he was rubbish but yeah he scored he scored that goal at Reading didn't he a couple oh, of yeah. a couple at Reading that yeah, was that was, that was nice that was a yeah. fun day out do you know who you could have put in this list actually maybe replace Arsh Avin Sonogo or as me and my old man like to call him Sonogo yeah yeah, yeah he didn't really do anything well he scored against Dortmund did he? Yeah, in the Champions League. Okay, it's massive for him to be fair. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's a great night for him too. I mean, yeah. he has scored scored more goals. Absolutely not. But trophies, he is beating Kane at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, quite a lot of people are. Well, in terms of anybody that's ever won a trophy, is. yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. So top two. All right, coming in at number two is Andre Santos. Okay. I mean. Fair. What a pile of rubbish. Yeah, he was bad. Quite fat as well. Yeah, slightly yeah. obese, you know. I'd, I'd say probably only saved by the goal he scored at Stamford Bridge. At Stamford Bridge. Bridge in the fu- Funny story, actually. And so a little samba. At this point, I was playing Saturdays and Sundays. 
um, for two different teams. I don't know how old I would have been back whenever that game was, 2012 or something. Um, and I remember me and my dad, we were, we were adamant the Chelsea-Arsenal game was on a Sunday. And we got back from my Saturday league match and we've gone, bloody hell, we've fucking beaten Chelsea. 5-3 three, three. That's never happened before, has it? I think maybe the year before we'd lost 6-0 or something. Yeah. Um, and I was gutted that I missed that game. Yeah, that's, that's, quite, yeah, yeah. that's, quite, that's quite poor. It's, it was poor from us, yeah. getting your Saturdays and Sundays wrong. This is what I mean um, by you being a fake fan. No, no, but <laughs> it's, an, it's, it's easily confusable, mate. I okay. tell you who else probably susceptible to getting Saturdays and Sundays wrong because you, you bloody got the art of defending wrong quite a bit. Oh, it's yeah. Sebastian Squilacci. Yeah, he's very. Bad. That was that was very. a very that was a classy Wenger signing, Matt. Oh, he was so bad. I mean, <laughs> I, but I didn't. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was so bad. Like as in like oh, sort of like take the piss. He wasn't that bad. Like, like he, he, was, he, he was awful. Yeah, he was like really bad. Like like really bad. He yeah. also sounds like he's a seafood. Yeah, he does. Yeah, sort of seafood pasta. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to move on to our weekly quiz. Um, how this is going to work is we'll exchange roles each week. So this week I'm going to be asking three questions. Next week, Lowell will have three questions for me. They will be in relation to the teams played and they can be um, anything really, as long as they're somehow linked to the last match or the next match. Okay. Um, if you get the question right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, I get a point. Um, and then at the end of, I don't know, every four matches or something like that, whoever's on more points gets bought, I don't know, pint, meal, pint, dinner, yeah. dinner, something like that. All right, sounds good. Right, so... I'm going to give you a reasonable amount of time for this one. It's more of a working out one. How many players started for Arsenal against Norwich who were over the age of 23? Okay, so none none of the back five. Um, One of the central midfielders, I think. Pepe, so one of the three. And then Aubameyang, so... One, two, three. Okay, next question. Which year did Aaron Ramsey score a volley on the final match day away at Carrow Road? Uh, okay. Um, okay, I've got an answer for that. Cool. Third question. How many goals has pierre Emerick Aubameyang scored against Burnley? Five, eight or nine? Oh god. Um, right, that's gonna be a guess. Okay. Uh, so for the first one, players over twenty-three. Your final answer was three. And you were very narrowly incorrect. Oh. So if you want to do a little table, put Costa and Lowell. That's a bad start. You were so close and I had a little wry smile when I heard you say none of the back five over 23. Kieran Tierney is 24. No, he's not. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles has just turned 24, about two weeks ago. Oh. Um, and then you're right, Pepe and Oba. Oh. Very narrow. Um, that's unfortunate. That's one point for me. Second question was Aaron Ramsey volley away at Norwich. What year? You 2014. Said, Absolutely spot on. Thank you. A week before what? Cup Scor- final. Scoring the winner in the cup final. Yep. 
possibly my favourite Arsenal game I've ever been to. Yeah, I was I, I cried when it when we were two 0 down, and so I, I cried when we won. I also cried when Sandy Sokolov scored a free kick from about thirty five yards. Fair enough. Yeah, I think many Arsenal fans did. Mm. So that'd be a point to you. And how many goals has Pierre Eric Bagnier scored against Burnley? Five, eight, or nine? Your answer was. So guess this one, eight. You little bugger. Yeah, your guess is correct. <laughs> I thought this was a nice question because it's a trick question because of course he scored an own goal against Burnley at the Emirates last season. Hence the eight and nine could have been. Uh, okay. Could have so, been were confused. you counting that in your? No, you weren't counting the eight exactly. Eight, okay. It would be nine. Would no. be a okay. So, so you lead so the quiz first, two one. First quiz week of podcast goes to Lowell. Goes to Lowell two one. After three more weeks, we'll see who's in the lead. All right. Next opponents, Burnley. At the time of recording, I believe, are playing Everton tonight. If Everton win, that would see them go joint top of the league with Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool, who all lead Manchester City by one point. Yeah, I mean, United had quite a weekend, didn't they? They did. It seemed like the Newcastle goalkeeper had been paid off. Yeah, I think I think he triple captain Ronaldo. In, yeah, in fancy yeah, football. maybe um, you know that game, New Star Soccer. Yeah, um, yeah. This uh, a shady bribe has just come in. Yeah, yeah. Post match, fifty yeah. pounds or something. It seemed like yeah. that. No, I think, but you know, he was always going to score. Wasn't he, he was always. That's just what he does. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, Lukaku on his homecoming. I mean, Chelsea, they were solid, but they weren't at their best. No, they weren't at their best. Uh, Mendy saved them quite a few did. times. Um, Lukaku is just lethal he's a different animal now isn't he they've gone from having somebody who cannot score open goals to somebody who can score goals that are not expected of him to score yeah yeah which when you're talking about league football yeah I mean puts them right up there but also when you're you're thinking about a team that that won the Champions League last year without this level of striker so I think they've, they've gone up a level they have for me Chelsea and Manchester City are the favourites. Yeah. However, both Liverpool and Manchester United are capable yeah. this year. No, it's, I think it, I think it's a I mean really high quality level Premier League this Liverpool, year. Liverpool were good against Leeds. Obviously, that game was a bit overshadowed by yeah. the injury to yeah. Harvey Elliott, which was he was an unbelievable player by the way. I played against yeah, him. Yeah, he was really good. Really good player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that wasn't nice. Wishing him a speedy recovery. Yeah. Um, but I thought Liverpool were really good, and I think they're probably um, a team that's gone under the radar a bit this summer um, because of their lack of transfer activity. Uh, just the one signing, but you know, who seems to be down the pecking order anyway. Yeah, exactly. But I think you know, when you're thinking about a returning Van Dijk and Joe Gomez coming back soon, and Fabinho back fully fit, you know. You've got a Liverpool side that ran away with the league. Exactly, and they got they got they got options in midfield. I mean, Thiago is an unbelievable footballer. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have the best first season. And now with don't with, write him off. Well, I mean, before with Harvey Elliott as well, who seemed yeah. to be the starting one. Yeah. There. Um, yeah. No, I think he was. Uh, he's a big miss for that. Yeah, and I think Diogo Jota gives them um, flexibility and um, depth. Firmino's obviously outstanding what he does but maybe Jota's a bit better and beyond also really good with the ball at his feet so yeah. Liverpool do not sleep on them on paper you'd probably argue United are ahead of them but yeah. actually 
United have got to catch up to them in terms of I know Liverpool had an off year last year and I think Liverpool have by miles the better manager exactly I think Oli's by quite some distance the fourth best manager yeah. but it's almost like a Galactico team now yeah it is it's, it's sort of it's back to old school United super team isn't yeah. it um, no more excuses for Oli I mean I don't expect them to win the league but they have to compete for it and yeah. they have to win something this year yeah exactly and uh, what are your thoughts on Manchester City this season a lot of um, discussion around the fact they didn't end up signing Kane they don't have out and out recognised nine but a number of wingers who can play there and a number of midfielders yeah. who can play false nine system no I think I, I, I do think City were um, were hindered by their lack of striker last year um I think it really hurt them, especially in the Champions League final. Yeah. Um, that that lack of focal point, um, however good the rest of the players are around, can always hurt a team. But, I mean, now you're looking at City. I mean, Grealish, I think, is a fantastic signing for them. He's really... He's just... He's got, to, he's got to step up another level, though. He does, he does. He does. But he's, he's, a, he's a top player, and I think coming into a team, you know, we haven't... I mean, he's been good these opening weeks, but you think we haven't we haven't seen him with playing alongside Kevin De Bruyne or Phil Foden? Oh, it's a joke that they've got both of those two exactly. back and they've been smashing teams five 0 And I think well, teams well, just teams, Arsenal. Arsenal and Norwich, yeah. Um, and I think right, you know, I think City fans will probably be buoyed by um, by the form of Ferran Torres, who looks to be a new man this year. Does. He looks to have learned a lot of Aguero's movement. Um, I've always been a fan of Jesus. Mm. He's now playing out wide. I still think that he's a bit underrated when he plays as a striker. His goal yeah. return is, is, is really good for somebody his age. Mm. Um, I still think they're favourites along yeah. with Chelsea, I mean, but it could co- it could cost them. Yeah, and I think I I think this year probably for the for the first time in a while we I mean maybe since that year where it was. Man City and Liverpool battling it out, but I mean, you you think about it, um, and I think this is probably going to be the first time in a while where we've had three or four teams in a race. Yeah, I think there will be three or four title contenders well, I think this year. The first time since Leicester won the league when it was us, Leicester, and Spurs. Yeah, exactly. I think, or, uh, and you know, like what you think about sort of, I mean, even when it was Liverpool against City for the. Um, for the league title, they you know they were they were runaway leaders. It was like an eighteen man league with those two. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be the end of the episode for today. It will probably end up being a bit of a bumper episode because we've done um, done that sort of transfer window roundup, and also you know we've had the. Uh, the, the the three games prior to Norwich to talk about um, as we've only just got it started but obviously um, any feedback we'd really like um, and yeah yeah please do leave us feedback we are new to this but really eager to develop quickly and gather a following um, and hopefully we give you a slightly Different dynamic to, mm. to other podcasts. A, I a mean, teenage we, perspective. Yeah, yeah, a younger perspective. And if it's um, if it's edited poorly, apologies for that. Yeah, it 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 will get better. We, we'll, we'll improve. Yeah, and 
we can only do that with with your support as but well. If you're listening to it, then it's probably been edited all right. So let's hope, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, and have a good one.